just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. You know, I was sitting around the condo all by myself. And I like those kinds of days because it gives you an opportunity to think. Be undisturbed, but think. But sometimes those thoughts take you in areas that uh, don't necessarily make you happy. They kind of depress you or confuse you. And I was thinking about if I was able to go back into time when I was a young boy or when I was a young man in my 20s, or even when I got older in my 40s, if I was able to go back into time and talk to myself in those eras, and I was able to tell them what they would be seeing when they got into their 60s, I can imagine my younger selves would be laughing. They'd think it's ridiculous. They'd think that I was describing some kind of fucking bizarro world that could never happen. But here we are. I'm in my 60s, and we got a fucking bizarro world, to be sure. I mean, we've got a major political party trying to undermine our government, undermine democracy, overturn elections, lying, cheating, stealing, corruption. We've got a major pandemic that has killed 900,000 people. But here we are. We're in the middle of it. You would think when you were younger in the 60s and the 70s or 80s or even the 90s, if you were to ask somebody then, do you think things will get better over time? I think we would all have said, yeah, absolutely. But as it turns out, many things have gotten worse, and that's troubling. We're older now, but we're smarter. We're not as strong. We're not as... uh, uh, We don't have as much stamina, but we are smart. And we've got problems now in this country because everything is worse than when we started out. And I think all of us feel the same way. Well, we're in the later stages of our lives. We would hope that we would leave this country better than what it was when we came into it. Leave it better for our kids and our grandkids. I know that weighs on my mind a lot. So here we are in the middle of a fucking mess. Everywhere you turn, a pandemic that kills 900,000 people. We've got a political party that's trying to overthrow our government, undermine democracy, and overturn elections. I mean, who would have ever imagined that that would fucking happen? We've got uh, wars in various parts of the world. We've got issues with climate change. It's crazy. I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit, so uh, stick with me on that. But I found that kind of troubling. I'm not a guy that gets depressed or upset or worried, and I'm none of those things right now, but I'm concerned, and now we have to think about how we get out from underneath this, how we change it so that we, in fact, can leave a better place for our kids and grandkids. But we got a hill to climb here. We've got a lot of things to fix, and we can't do it sitting on our hands. That's why we have to speak up, keep pushing, keep pushing, and keep pushing. Like with the Rational Boomer podcast or the TikToks, that was the point to bring people of a like mind, people that are concerned, people that are normal, 
Get people speaking out. This world is, or this country has been all too apathetic for decades. And that's part of the reason why we are where we are now. People will say to you, well, if you speak out, what good is that going to do? Well, maybe you'll get somebody else to speak out and somebody else. Change the narrative in this country so we can do away with some of this crazy bullshit that we should have never had to experience. Had we been a little more aware of what was going on right in front of our noses. So there's a lot of stuff to talk about every day. (laughs) And my wife said, well, what happens when Donald Trump isn't an issue anymore? What are you going to have to talk about? I said, there's plenty to talk about. Our politics, all that's bad about our politics isn't just Donald Trump. Our problems in this country aren't just political. There's a lot of things we need to open our eyes to and uh, take action, to speak out and take action. Now, it seems like a hard thing to do, but at this point, with all these things that are happening, we have no fucking choice. It's not an option for you to sit there on your backside and just let somebody else handle it. Because we've done that, and here we are. So let's talk about what's going in our country and around the world. We all know Vladimir Putin and the Russian military have not made a full-on assault or invasion on Ukraine as yet. They're threatening. They're on the uh, Ukrainian border. But that said, they have crossed over the Ukrainian border and uh, occupying areas that are home to Russian separatists who are loyal and sympathetic to Russia. Now, I'm sure Putin and the Russians were thinking, well, we'll go into Ukraine, but these areas are kind of Russian anyway, so they won't think we're invading as yet. But they ended up in this situation with these um, separatists in Ukraine because Russia and Vladimir Putin tried to do this same bullshit in 2014. The suggestion that they're not going to attack or invade Ukraine is ridiculous because they've tried before. And what was left over is these two areas uh, in the Dumbas area that are filled with Russian separatists. So now Russia says, well, we'll just go hang with them and it won't look like we're invading. So nobody's going to come down on us at that point. But the point of this is that Russia did cross the border. And that was Joe Biden's criteria for an invasion. It didn't have to be a mass attack or a mass invasion. All he said was, you cross the border, it's an invasion, and now you're going to pay the price. Joe Biden made uh, threats with sanctions. Other European countries also made threats. And as much as... Russia seems powerful. They have a lot of weaknesses in their country. We've talked about their economy. Yes, they have nuclear weapons, and they're comparable to uh, America, and that could be problematic. But our goal isn't to fight Russia or to start a third world war. But we want to do things diplomatically anyway or through sanctions that would discourage them from going into the Ukraine. 
Here's the funny thing about Ukraine. A lot of us thought it was just a small country, a weak country. They're not. They're a big country about the size of France. They have 42 million people. Uh, Kiev is a uh, city about the size of Chicago, maybe 4 million people. This is a serious attack. And to be perfectly honest with you, they have an army that has some power in their own right. They're not going to be able to beat Russia, but they're going to kill a lot of Russian soldiers as well as Ukrainian soldiers. Then it's a matter of how the citizens of Russia are going to feel when body bags of Russian soldiers come back to their hometowns. They can't be happy about that. So everybody's sitting on edge here. Joe Biden's uh, threatening sanctions and so are the European countries. Russia did what they weren't supposed to do. They crossed the Ukrainian border. They weren't attacking. But according to Joe Biden's criteria, that is the start of an invasion. I mean, frankly, where they are on the eastern side of uh, the Ukraine, where they are now is a good place to start an invasion. And everybody involved, including the United States and Joe Biden, think it's just a matter of time that they are going to do it. Now, all along, I've said I don't think they're going to do it because there's too much they're going to lose if they do it. These sanctions could be significantly damaging to the country of Russia. Now, people will say, well, Donald Trump put down some sanctions. Yeah, he did, but they were pretty weak. They were pretty lame. The sanctions that Joe Biden is now placing and other European countries could literally cripple the economy. Now, some people are saying that uh, Vladimir Putin knew this was coming and made plans. He built up a war chest, if you will, a a surplus of $600 billion. Now, that's a lot of money, and that will help him get through it, but it's not going to help everything. It's not going to be enough. So Joe Biden did throw down some sanctions, and so did Germany. Germany stepped up and said that the Russian pipeline to Germany would not be certified. There's a pipeline going from Russia to Germany. Russia paid $11 billion to put this in. They expect to make a lot of money shipping oil to Germany and the rest of Europe. Well, Germany took a risk. The new um, chancellor there took a risk and said, nope, we're not going to certify it now. If you're invading Ukraine, we won't certify this pipeline. It will not run. Now, that's a a big risk for that chancellor of Germany, Germany because by doing that, it could raise the price of oil to all of Europe. And then there's going to be heat by the citizens on the chancellor and other people that are backing this about the high cost of oil. But they took a look at the greater good. They wanted to do what they could to stop this invasion of the Ukraine. Now, whether that will work or not, I'm not sure. But they had to do something. They had to step up. They had to make it costly to the Russians. Now, Joe Biden also said that he would... uh, he would issue some sanctions. Um, Biden then fully sanctioned and blocked Russian VEB banks and military banks. 
basically shutting them down and not allowing them to interact with the West or even any parts of Europe. Now, the interesting thing is there is another bank, but that bank is where all the citizens have their money. Joe Biden didn't do that yet. In fact, he didn't do all the sanctions yet. He wanted them to feel the pain and the pinch, but he didn't want to blow his whole wad there. He has to leave something behind, so there's a reason for these people to stop the invasion of the Ukraine. Whether that'll work or not, we'll see. Now, he's also sanctioning Russian elite and their family members. Now, what these are are the oligarchs. They pretty much run Russia. And, in fact, Vladimir Putin is not only in line with the oligarchs, he is one of the oligarchs. Talk is that he's worth like $200 billion, but nobody knows where the money is. It might be with these oligarchs. Now, they will no longer be able to move money around in the U.S. or anywhere in Europe. The only place they can move it, buy, invest, whatever they're doing is in Russia or some other countries that aren't part of the sanctioning. So this is going to hurt those people a lot. The stock market or the uh, similar thing that's a stock market in Russia uh, dropped by 20%. So they're already feeling a pinch financially in, in Russia. So now these oligarchs, are not going to do the things they are normally doing. They're not going to be able to be dealing in um, America or in many European countries. This is going to stifle their business. Now, Joe Biden could take it a step further. He could ban them from the SWIFT program. And this is a program, a payment system, where countries pay each other and charge each other money for trading and selling and buying and all those sorts of things. Now, if Joe Biden does that, that really puts Russia out of business. They become isolated. They can't really work with anybody but themselves internally. And here's the problem with that. As I've said, Russia's... um, economy is tenuous at best. All they really do is provide oil, gasoline, and weapons. That's all they do in that country. As I said yesterday, their economy is about half the size of California. So these are not, Russia is not an economic power by any means. All they really have is the nukes. And the nuclear weapons, that's another step. And that's part of the reason why America isn't going to get involved into the fighting. They can do this diplomatically and with sanctions and such, but they're not going to get in the trenches and fight with Russia. That's just not going to work. That's not to suggest there aren't some other European countries or neighboring countries that would help them. But again, they, they, there's a risk to them because of the nuclear power that Russia has. Now, understand that these sanctions, they are going to be incredibly damaging to Russia. And I know that Vladimir Putin thinks he's got some of it covered with this $600 billion that he put away. And maybe it is for now. But ultimately, it's going to be a problem. You see, his citizens aren't for they don't 
like the idea of uh, Russia invading Ukraine. I think the people of Russia have had a good relationship with the people of Ukraine. They don't see a reason for this, so they're kind of troubled by it. I think a lot of people look at Russia and they think everybody that lives there is evil and bad. But the citizens in Russia are just like us. They're being led by some fucking clown, some criminal, some murderer like Vladimir Putin. And they're kind of stuck. But at some point, these people are going to stand up and push back. And when that happens, there's going to be other political people in Russia that are going to take that opportunity to push back on Vladimir Putin. So Vladimir Putin may be way over his head here, and he may be hurting his position. He may be weakening his position, which means he could possibly be run out of office at some point if it gets bad enough. And keep in mind, there's a lot more that Biden and European countries can do. They haven't done it all yet. They've just done enough to shut them down. This thing with the oligarchs is going to be big, though. I mean, you think about oligarchs pretty much running Russia, having all this money, and then Joe Biden and America saying, now you can't do most of the shit you'd normally do. You can't do investments in our country or in Europe. So what are you going to do? This is going to piss off some oligarchs, and this is going to be a problem for Vladimir Putin. We're still waiting with bated breath as to whether or not he's going to invade. Now, what he may do is just stick where he is, uh, kind of liberate those two areas that already sympathize with Russia, and call it a day. Joe Biden did say, we could possibly work this through diplomatically. But remember, he was supposed to have a summit with Vladimir Putin on Thursday. And the um, criteria for getting together on Thursday is that they don't invade Ukraine. But the fact is, they crossed the Ukrainian border, and that is all the criteria that Joe Biden needed to call it invasion. So Secretary of State Blinken called up Russia and said, yeah, that summit Thursday, we're not going to fucking do it. We're just not interested in doing that at all. So it would be interesting to see if Russia decides to try to push for some more meetings. They're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place, Vladimir Putin's not making good choices here. It's not going to be good for his country, and it's certainly not going to be good for him. He's got this heart on for Ukraine, though. He wants it back in the fold. He wants it part of Russia again. I don't know that he'll get that. He's going to get a hell of a fight, and his country's going to take a beating economically. We're going to watch it closely and see what happens. Now, not that anybody gives a fuck what Donald Trump says, He did take the opportunity to put in his two cents uh, in this topic, this Ukrainian invasion by Russia. He said that Putin trying to invade Ukraine was wonderful and that Putin was a genius. Now, the sad thing about that, that's a fucking crazy statement. Now, we know that Donald Trump is best buddies with Vladimir Putin best buddies with Vladimir Putin. But the Republicans in the United States all agreed with Donald Trump. The right-wing media is blasting out about how 
how uh, Vladimir Putin is a genius and it's a great thing and why would we want to protect Ukraine? Here's the here, People always ask that. Why do we protect Ukraine? Well, here's something I didn't know that I want to pass along. There was a time when the three biggest nuclear powers in this country were the United States, Russia, and believe it or not, Ukraine. But America and some European countries have said, we'd like you to not have these nuclear weapons, abandon the nuclear weapons, and we will promise to protect you if need be. So the United States and Europe has a responsibility to protect the Ukraine. They push them into abandoning nuclear weapons, and I'll tell you what, thank God for that. That's all we need is Ukraine and Russia going back and forth with nuclear weapons. Even if we're not involved, that is going to have a heavy impact on our world as we know it. So it's good news that Ukraine doesn't have nuclear weapons now, but we do have an obligation to protect them because they accommodated us by doing away with the nuclear weapons. And then we have, as I say, Donald Trump, who loves Vladimir Putin, says he's a genius, says invading Ukraine is wonderful. He loves the scam that Vladimir Putin is using. He said, well, we're just going into these areas in Ukraine with some peacekeeping measures. I mean, let's be honest. Vladimir Putin lies just as much as Donald Trump. He's a little smarter than Donald Trump, but he's a fucking liar. He's a criminal. He's a murderer. And he didn't go in there for any peacekeeping measures. He went in there to get that shit back because it's important to him. It's really troubling when you come back into this country and you hear other Republicans including Mike Pompeo, the former Secretary of State, the right-wing media. Think about that. Think of the history of Russian atrocities, murderers, meddling in our elections, 2016 and 2020, the Cold War for that matter. This is what the Republican Party stands for now? Reagan brought down the USSR, brought down the Berlin Wall. But now these guys are buddies, Republicans and the Russians. Like I said, it seems like a bizarro world. It's taken the Republican Party and flipped them 180 degrees. Everything they were against, they are now for. And none of it is beneficial to our country. It's frightening to even think about. And like I said, when I was sitting on my couch thinking about these things, it was almost unbelievable. If I was go back to the 1970s or 1980s and told myself, this is what's going to happen, there's no way I'd ever believe it. There's no way I would believe that that could happen. But that's, that's what we're in the middle of right now. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Just to continue on what I was talking about before the break, you know, come to think of it, let's look at the Republicans and what they have become from where they were. They've always been anti-communist, anti-communist leaders, anti-USSR, anti-Russia. Now they support them. They think Vladimir Putin is a genius. They think that... Um, 
What they're doing in invading Ukraine is a wonderful thing, as led by Donald Trump. As I said, when you go back and look at Ronald Reagan, he was a Republican. He was tough. He didn't like the communists. He didn't like the Russian leaders. And he fought like hell to get that Berlin Wall taken down. And he was part and parcel to the implosion of the USSR, the Soviet Union. And then that broke everything down and put Russia in a different sphere. They still had the nuclear weapons, but as I say, economically, they're a small potato in this world today. And they know it, and they don't like it, so Vladimir Putin wants to be the guy to bring the Soviet Union back together and save Russia and the Soviet Union for the future, give them the power he thinks they believe they should have. But in addition to that, this Republican Party is looking to take constitutional rights away from 50% of this country. Can you fucking imagine that? We've got all these Republicans screaming about, you're going to take our guns, we have our Second Amendment right. But at the same time, they want to take the constitutional rights from 50% of this country. I'm talking about women and these anti-abortion laws. Roe v. Wade is settled, uh, is a settled case. It's protected by the Constitution. But now these Republicans want to take that away from the women in this country. I think any time this country attempts to take away any rights, and that's including the Second Amendment right, we've got a problem. That's the wrong direction we want this government to go because once they take away one right from you, they'll take away more, and they'll take away more. Then all of a sudden, we don't have a constitution. We don't have a democracy. But that's what the Republicans are doing. And, I, and I'll tell you this. They're miscalculating this. You go to the women of this country and say, we're taking rights away from you. That's not going to do well for them in the ballot booth. They aren't going to do well. They already have trouble getting women to vote for them. They're going to have even more troubles than that. They are also um, initiating white supremacy. They're getting behind white supremacy, racism. And what they're doing is alienating people of color. So now they're alienating all women They're taking their rights away from them. Now they want to take rights away from people of color. And it doesn't stop there. They're trying to erase the LGBTQ community. They don't want anybody to talk about it. Don't talk about being gay. They're banning books uh, that show incidents of racism in our history or the LGBTQ community. They're trying to erase all that. They don't want people to know the history and what this country was about and what we've gone through. They're afraid it's going to make kids feel bad that our white ancestors maybe have done some bad things. Well, the fact of the matter is, if we don't know our history, then we are doomed to repeat it. And we're seeing that playing out now. These people want to erase history about racism, white supremacy, the treatment of the LGBTQ community. They don't want to talk about it because it makes them look bad. 
And the whole point that it dooms us to repeat it is playing out right in front of us. They erase all this stuff and all the problems we had before, all the problems that we'd been working on. That all goes down the shitter. And we're back where we were in the 60s or the 50s. And that would be appalling. That's the last thing you want from a country is to step backwards. You want to keep stepping forward. Now, in addition to this, Republicans are also non-believers of climate change, even though we are seeing evidence of it every day. Bigger storms, bigger hurricanes, fires, uh, weather changes. It's happening right now. To suggest that there is no climate change is absolutely ridiculous. And the problem with this is, with climate change, this is going to impact everybody. We'll get to a point where we can't fix it or can't help it. And then we're just stuck on a track of uh, destruction for this country. We're already seeing, as I say, some evidence of it. And it's very problematic. Now, this same Republican group doesn't believe in science either. In spite of the fact 900,000 people have died of COVID. I mean, what do you have to fucking do to convince people? They want to deny it. They want to act like it doesn't happen. You see what the Republican Party is doing us, they're taking us back in time to the 50s and 60s. I mean, back then we didn't know a lot of things, and a lot of things were kind of pushed aside because they didn't want to talk about them. But this is 2022. We know a lot more. We know better. And to take us back in time is absolutely fucking ridiculous. That's why it's so important that we don't allow Republicans to get control again. Because the Republican Party isn't anything like we once knew them to be. But my question is, when you look at all the things I just listed there, how in the world could a Republican Party win one election, let alone a presidential election? Everything they're doing is counter to what this country is about what the Constitution promises, all of us. Why should they be able to win an election? I don't get that. Why do we even have to be concerned about the prospect of Donald Trump becoming president again or somebody like him? That shouldn't even be an issue. I mean, you look at the things I've laid out here, And nobody in their right mind in this country should support those things. But yet we do have some people. I'm thinking it's a small percentage of people. I'm hoping it's a small percentage of people. We've talked about Donald Trump's base. It's about 30-32%. Now that's fine if they believe all these things because they don't have enough people to win elections. But the problem here is that a lot of people that know better, that don't necessarily believe this, are willing to go along with the crowd because they feel like it'll get them elected. It'll give them power. It'll do them a service when it comes to the elections. They don't care if it hurts the country or if it hurts people as long as they benefit. That is the essence of the Republican Party. They are for nothing. They don't have a platform. They don't have policies. The only reason they're in business right now is to fight against and shut down the Democrats, which is ridiculous because the reason they're in office and being paid by the U.S. government 
is to serve the people, serve this country, make things better. But they've decided to waylay that whole concept, not have a platform, not have policies that serve the public and serve this country. Instead, it's just about owning or fighting with the Democrats. You would think if you're going to the voting booth and you know all these things, why in the world would you ever vote Republican? The unfortunate thing is we have a lot more stupid people in this country than we ever imagined. I know I'm disappointed finding out how many stupid people we have in this country. And they'll just follow along just because somebody's talking longer and louder than everybody else. As time goes on here, we're hoping that some of this information and this evidence comes out and people get exposed for who they are. Maybe there are some indictments. Maybe there are ways to shut down Donald Trump. I was reading somewhere that uh, some of the things that are already exposed to the public, just based on the things we know, there's enough to indict Donald Trump. You know, whether it be destroying or stealing documents, or inciting the January 6th insurrection. Judges, every judge he's gone up against says you can't hold back the National Archives documents. You can't hold back the uh, visitor logs, the call logs, and those sorts of things. He's tried to delay it. He's tried to keep it out of the hands of the House Select Committee, but he's failed at every turn. Even the Supreme Court, where he's placed three people that he thinks in his mind owe him something. Even they have voted against him because what he's asking for is absolutely ridiculous. I've said before, what we really need to do is take Donald Trump out of the equation, destroy his chances for ever running for office again, which takes away his ability to grift people. Because that's what he does. He's a fucking grifter by all Always you look at it. He's just nothing but a grifter. So it'll be interesting to see when this first indictment comes. And as I've said before, we only need one indictment. We've got Georgia. We've got New York. We've got the Attorney General in New York. We've got D.C. We've got lawsuits by 20 lawsuits that could destroy him financially. Let's be perfectly honest. At this point, with a... uh, company that's been indicted, a CFO that's been indicted, the fact that his accounting firm uh, broke up with him, and all of his 10 years of tax returns and documents are unreliable now, according to the accounting company. This company is done. Donald Trump doesn't have a company anymore. He has a lot of debt, and he has businesses that aren't making money. That doesn't give him much hope with trying to rebound and try to build up his company again. Beyond that, he has a horrible reputation, and there are people that have buildings with the Trump name on it, and they're taking them down. Donald Trump really only had anything the last 20 years. He didn't build anything. All he had was his brand. He had the TV show, and then people would pay him to put his name on buildings, and they would take the responsibility of funding and building properties and just slap his name on it. Unfortunately, his brand isn't worth shit now because everything his brand is tied to is failing. So nobody in business is going to want to pay him for his brand. 
And so his companies, his businesses are failing. He's going to try to flip the switch here. He's going to try to start this new app. It's called Truth Social, MAGA, Truth Social, whatever. I think I told you I looked at it. I don't know how I got a chance to look at it because I didn't sign on. But all I saw on this app was uh, memes, stupid fucking memes. In fact, I saw people even posting and said, hey, we got too many memes on here. We've got to have some real talk. But there was no real talk. There is no truth. There is no ideas. There is no opinion. It's just these stupid uh, memes about, about Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, Uh, the Obamas. It's just, you know, it's fucking ridiculous. Nobody wants to look at that shit. If that's all they've got, then that's a problem for this app. And Donald Trump is betting on this social media thing as to be the next step for his business. But it doesn't look good. This whole thing started out and the app was running pretty rough. They have a lot of issues with it. And part of it was because it's... um, Devin Nunes, the CEO, said, you know, this is really not going to be up and operating properly till the end of March. But still, Donald Trump needed to launch it on President's Day to give that uh, symbolism (laughs) that he's still the president, which is fucking ridiculous. Of course, he's not. But the problem is this thing is going to run for the next three or four weeks badly, And then when they finally get it up and running, and all that's on there is memes. And when I looked at these postings, it was interesting. Granted, I've only looked after one day. But they had two likes, or one comment, or three likes, and two comments. There's not a lot of activity going on there, except these Trumplefucks going and posting memes. In order for an app to be successful, it's got to have a lot of activity, a lot of people going through it. And from what I saw, there was none of that. So Donald Trump is putting all his eggs in one basket in hopes that he can control the social media. But what he's trying to do is, is, is compete with Twitter, and he's never going to be able to do that. He's got a small faction of people that might be interested in it, but even them, when they come to it, they're going to be bored with it. It's just going to be like a old-school message board where people are trolling each other, and that's all it fucking is. I can tell you right now, I'm not an expert, but there's no money in that. And everything Donald Trump does fucking fails, so why get excited about this thing? It isn't going to be an issue. Now, there are some other trolls that have started other apps that look similar, so some of these Trumplefucks are confused. They're going to those other apps. There's going to be people hacking into the real app, causing all kinds of problems. Donald Trump thinks he can put his name on something and it's going to be wildly successful. That might have been the case at one point. Not anymore. Donald Trump's in deep trouble. His businesses are failing. His app is going to fail. And he's going to be left with nothing. And for me, that's a good thing. Once he has no money, once he has no base, once he has no uh, brand anymore that anybody wants anything to do with, then he's completely irrelevant, and that takes him out of the equation. Throw in an indictment or two, and uh, he's fucking done. And to be perfectly honest with you, in my opinion, he's already done. 
He's got too many things coming at him for him to handle it, to balance it, to juggle it. He's being overwhelmed every day, and uh, he's not... He's a pretty emotional guy, and when you start getting emotional, you start making mistakes. And uh, he's had his share just in the last week, essentially confessing to crimes or going to uh, contradict what lawyers were going to use to defend him. He's basically confessing to crimes, and he doesn't even get it. He thinks he's so fucking smart that he can talk his way out of it. Well, frankly, Donald Trump is not that smart. And at this stage, he can't talk his way out of shit. He's fucking done. All right, let's talk about uh, another situation here. Travis McMichael, Gregory McMichael, and Roddy Bryan, you remember them. They were convicted in a state court for the murder of Ahmad Aubrey. But they weren't done with court yet. They were convicted. They're going to spend their life in prison. But then they had to go to federal court because uh, the family and the federal court felt that this was involving some hate crimes, a federal crime. They were brought up on federal hate crimes and kidnapping. Once again, they were convicted and will spend the rest of their lives in prison. Now, some people will say this, um, but what if they appeal and they get out? Well, see, here's the thing. When you have a state court conviction and a federal conviction, now you've got two separate cases. If you're going to overturn a conviction in an appeal, they are going to be in for life as long as one of those stays intact. So if they ever hope to see freedom at any point by appealing, and let's be honest, they aren't going to be able to appeal this. There's no way they could win an appeal. But say they did. They'd have to win the state one, and then they'd have to win the federal conviction in order to get out. Because if they only get one, the other will keep them in jail. These boys are fucked. They're in trouble. And all the thing we saw as far as their racist attitudes, the things they said, they are exactly where they belong. Now, here's the interesting thing. Initially, when these guys were going to go to court for these hate crimes in federal court, they were going to have the opportunity to plead out, get sentenced, and move on down the road. But the Aubrey family didn't like that. They wanted to see a trial. They wanted all the things exposed because they thought it was not only important to Ahmad Aubrey, but to this country. You see, the DOJ comes across hate crimes from time to time, but in 85% of those cases, they are pled out. So nothing goes to court, nothing is exposed, and nothing is really changed. We need court cases like this so that the country sees what's actually going on. We need convictions in these kinds of cases to make any kind of changes in this country. It's real easy for the DOJ to cover things up by saying, just plead out, we'll give you a sentence and we'll be done. We don't want to talk about the hate crimes. We don't want to talk about racism and all those things. And Ahmad, Ahmad Aubrey's family was a little ticked off by the DOJ and the attorney there because they were trying to just get this done and shoved under the rug. But they were forced into actually trying the case. As much as the DOJ wanted to just plead it out and get it done with, there was a judge that said, no, 
we can't plead out on this case. You've got to go to court. And I'm sure that pissed off the DOJ. They weren't happy about that, but that's what happened. And uh, it ended up the way it should end up. They were all convicted. They were all going to be sentenced here sometime soon. But for all intents and purposes, they are going to be in jail for the rest of their lives. And that's where they fucking belong. But we needed that hate crime, that federal court case, to happen. And his family knew that. Their lawyers knew that. As much as they wanted to get this gone and done as quickly as possible, they were forced in having the court case, and we found out exactly what happened and why these fucks are considered to be racist pieces of shit. We now know. And nobody's crying over these assholes being uh, put in jail for life. It's important for this case, and that trial was important for the future of our country. Now, the last thing I want to talk about, you all remember when the U.S. women's soccer team won the World Cup in 2019 in France. It was pretty exciting. It was pretty cool. U.S. wins the World Cup in women's soccer, and they were an amazing team. After the game, there were some complaints, though, because, you see, uh, the U.S. women's team was paid way less than the U.S. men's team. And what's ironic is the men's team never does very well in the uh, World Cup, but here we are with the women's team, and they win the World Cup, but they get paid way less than the men. Now, some people might be able to rationalize it out, but the fact is the fact. Women and men should be paid the same. So the U.S. women's soccer team sued the uh, Federation from the World Cup. They filed a lawsuit for gender-based pay discrimination. Well, on Monday, the U.S. women's team won their case, and they were awarded $24 million. Of that $24 million, $22 million will go back to the players, and that means players on both sides, both uh, both the U.S. and the other team they played. I think it was France. Um, but they both get the money, and then the $2 million is going to set up programs or whatever to make sure everybody's paid properly. Now, that's an important part of it. These, these young women got their money. They got um, parity with the men's soccer team. But if that's all that happened, it really wouldn't have been a win. You know, if these people bitched about it, got paid, and the next year it was just the same, it really wouldn't be a win. So in that settlement agreement, um, the Federation promised to equalize pay between the men's and women's team in all competition, including the World Cup. So what these young women did is they took care of themselves, but they changed the world of soccer for women and men, put them on an equal level, made them pay both sides on an equal level. And it makes sense, especially in the World Cup. You've got the stands full. You've got TV. You've got one group, the women, winning the World Cup and the other, the men not winning the World Cup. Why in the world would you pay the men more? It doesn't make any fucking sense. This is just all about um, the prejudice that we've seen in women's sports. I personally like women's sports. I've told you before, I like hockey, but... 
the main hockey that my wife and I watch is women's gopher hockey because they're successful, they're good, and there's no bullshit about it. There's no no scams going on. Now, these girls have uh, scholarships, and they put on a good show. They're immensely talented. To be perfectly honest, when the World Cup was on in 2019, I'm not a big soccer fan. I don't get it like a lot of people do. But when you have a, a team that's winning, like the women's team, it is kind of fun to watch. i got to be honest. I didn't watch the men's soccer. I don't fucking care. I didn't like soccer in the first place. But they sucked me in and they got me to watch because they were successful and they were working hard. So why shouldn't they be paid the same as men? Why should women be paid less than men in any field, whether it be business or sports or entertainment or what have you? This is a problem we have in this country. Our companies don't pay our employees enough to live. They're hiring people with poverty wages. And then you've got this uh, discrimination thing between men and women where women get paid less than men for no reason particularly that that's always the way they've done it that fucking needs to change and what happened here with this women's u.s soccer team is the first step in getting that changed so yes they got their money and i'm glad of that they deserve that money but they also change things in the uh, soccer federation and maybe in sports in general Maybe this first step changes everything. Once some of these other sports see that they were sued and lost, they may think twice about how they pay and the difference in pay between men and women. We can only hope so. But again, it goes back to what I said in the first part. If you don't stand up and speak out and push back, I mean, when they did that, nobody thought they were going to win. But they stood up, they pushed back, they spoke out, and they kept fighting. And they made a change. And in this country, we can do the same thing with all the crazy bullshit that's going on. You got to make the effort. You got to fight back. You got to push back. You got to speak out. And in time, you will win. But you got to make the effort. You can't just sit back and do nothing because nobody's going to change anything until they have to. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to me. If you have questions, comments, what have you, by all means, send me an email directly, rationalboomer at gmail.com, or go to anchor.fm, find the Rational Boomer podcast, and you can leave me a voicemail. I hope you have a great day, and we will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.